When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to operate better in today's world. Jordan's also got a fun weekly segment, Feedback Friday, where he covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or psycho family situations to relationships and networking to even just asking for a raise. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Our heroes have defeated the one of many faces, freeing Yevgenovich and Bucky from his clutches. And Quinny and Reginald, from their oaths to Baba Yaga, Juniper and Wild West Moss have combined forces and bodies, finally having discovered the way to stop the Great Collide. Lastly, Butthole has returned to Dumb Faerun and been named Butthammer, Moonhammer's avatar to this dimension. What will happen now that our Heroes have been banned from heaven and hell? Find out next on Dom Doms and Dragons. After a series of adventures, the Dum Dums have finally returned all together to a very changed Dum Faerun. Welcome to season six of Dum Dums and Dragons. I am, of course, your, your host and DM, Tom McGee. And to kick things off this season, um, we're just going to check in with our characters uh, a bit and kind of reintroduce them to you in the world. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. If you've been with us through the whole ride, welcome back. Our heroes have uh, just finished wrapping up some pretty big business. Um, Quinny uh, Brown Barrow, our resident thief and warlock, uh, has finally defeated his uh, nemesis patron, the one of many faces, uh, and is finally free from the infernal contract that has haunted him for so long. In doing so, he freed his young companion, Bucky, um, who had uh, taken the contract as well in the hopes of saving his friends. Finally, uh, with both uh, Quinny and Bucky out from under the influence of the ever-present one of many faces, uh, they enter a world with a new degree of freedom, one they they previously had not enjoyed for, for some time. Um, with them, of course, is their their stalwart companion, Juniper, who um, has merged with a, a version of herself from an alternate timeline. Um, together, they have the shared experiences, uh, the shared skills, and uh, a lot of the uh, new and exciting combat abilities as they uh, face a, a world still in crisis, but a crisis that for the first time in Juniper's quest is finally under control. Juniper seeks to prevent the great collide all of the dimensions of the multiverse colliding into one uh causing rife destruction until one uh kind of messy tangle 
survives and or the entire universe implodes. We're still uncertain, but for now, it has been slowed. Also with them is their previously dead companion, Butthole Farch, uh, the uh, aka Bobbert Tingler, aka the rightful king of Aka, aka now the avatar of the goddess Moonhammer. Um, Butthole, recently thought dead, has finally returned to the land of the living um, to find uh, his, a new companion, uh, an alternate universe version of his brother, the once evil, now cowardly Reginald Tingler, who himself <laughs> has been on a journey of discovering heroism and figuring out how he can survive in a world that seems to only want to kill him. Together, our heroes have emerged uh, from hell, now being banned uh, from the underworld altogether. I forgot about that. And uh, no longer <laughs> yeah. having uh, their patron god, Moonhammer, to watch out for them as she has returned to her own dimension. So it is into this world that uh, the Dum Dum step, a world uh, run by the dead. Uh, the dead have risen, hell is empty, and the nation of Aka, a warlike nation uh, that worshipped at one point the god of war, um, has now become the empire of Aka. They have stretched their talons across the entirety of Dumfeyrune, taking the continent uh, by force with an army of the dead, led by the evil Lich King, uh, Grayson Typhus, and his queen, Emily Typhus, uh, Butthole's mother. The empire of Aka has seized control and now reigns supreme, with only one threat remaining to them, uh, the Planteers, a, a family of incredibly powerful mages and their armies who have retreated beyond the borders of Faerun uh, back to their kingdom in the sky, where they lick their wounds with their patron god, Captain Planteer, who is wounded both in ego and form by the dum-dums at the end of their previous adventure. Having emerged from the, the, uh, the gates of hell itself back into this world, uh, the Dum-Dums found their caravan abandoned, their friends lost, but a, a helpful uh, mole that they had inserted into the nation of Aka some time ago, Stephen, who has informed them that the, the uh, newfound necromantic powers of the Empire of Aka uh, have, have been put to, to full use. And so the Dum-Dums have set out to put the world back together, one little piece at a time. So we begin our adventure today with all of you um, on the road. Uh, you've managed to mend the carts. Uh, however, the uh, whereabouts of your friends and companions uh, are still unknown to you. Um, you've returned from hell um, a, a day or so before and have managed to, to rest up and uh, sort of regain uh, your, your hit points, of course, uh, as well as getting a chance to actually catch your breath. Uh, all of you have gone up two levels uh, very dramatically for a variety of reasons, um, mostly big adventures, uh, but also uh, various boons from your, your, your patrons um, here and there. <clears throat> so all of you are feeling uh, kind of charged up and ready to, to face this, this new horrible world. That said, there is a lot that I think is probably on your characters' minds, and I just want to check in with, with each of them and each of you to see kind of where they're at. As uh, as we we continue down the path, um, currently um, we are uh, heading up a, an incline um, along a, a wooded path uh, with um, sort of small snowbanks uh, to the left and right of you. Winter has come uh, to Dumfeyrune, and uh, you find yourselves somewhat underdressed for the weather as uh, light snowflakes drift down through the trees on a 
a, a brisk, cool wind. Uh, not so much so that you're freezing, but enough that you're you're certainly aware of it. Um, the caravan currently consists of uh, Butthole and Reginald, both played by Ryan, um, Quinny and Bucky, both played by Tyler, and of course uh, the the multi-person Juniper, um, the uh, the shapeshifter, uh, played by Laura. Uh, you also have with you Stephen, your erstwhile companion, uh, as well as uh, the the spirit of Yevgenovich, an old friend, turned nemesis, turned friend once again, um, who you brought with you out of hell. As you step through the gates of hell, um, his spirit began to waver, and um, Butthole, you had to very quickly choose an item uh, for him to reside in until you could find him a proper body. Ryan, what uh, what did you force uh, Yevgenovich into at that critical moment? All right, looking at the options of what I have, uh, Yevgenovich is now inside an overly tall top hat with a veil. Amazing. All right. So we've got Yevgenovich in a top hat with a veil. Wonderful. Um, So uh, I'm imagining uh, for visual sake, we'll say this is a bit like a Mario Odyssey hat. Um, So it's just got like, you know, it's a hat with like sort of glowing spiritual eyes floating on it. Um, Ooh, the eyes can be in the veil. So oh, yeah, it up. It. yeah, it's got a little veil with <laughs> eyes yeah. in it. Yeah, there's little little red eyes floating behind the veil. Awesome. Um, wonderful. Um, so uh, let's just go around and uh, check in with, with each of the characters um, having come out of this grand adventure in, in hell. Um, see where you're at. And also uh, for those joining us for the very first time, uh, if you just briefly give us a quick description of what your character looks like these days. I think we've kind of done this piecemeal a bunch of different times. Um, but it might be be nice to have a, a little reminder um, as as we we walk down this road, and then we'll get into a lot of the like what questions you've answered for each other, what conversations you've had, all that sort of jazz. But just for the moment, um, what are each of your characters doing as as they walk this cold road? Um, I think Quinny has kind of pulled his hood up over his head, and he's kind of got his arms crossed to kind of maintain a, a bit of warmth i think he s- still keeps his his uh his coat of farch uh like jacket open because he's just cool that way um like it would be warmer if he closed it but he he wears it open um so he's uh he's a little halfling <coughs> he's still got his eye patch um over his right eye uh and uh a scar down the middle of his face one that he shares with uh with butthole um and uh he he basically wears like leather armor that basically gives him the freedom of motion needed to do his his thiefy agile things um underneath his eye patch he actually has a fake eye uh it is the eye of true sight um that he can he can tap into when he needs um and uh other than that he's basically wearing all black he's got a long coat that he wears which you know, comparatively to the rest of you is not that long, but it's long on him. Uh, it is actually tailored uh, from the hide of a uh, a dragon, but it wasn't a regular dragon. It was like a mind flayer dragon. Yes, I can't remember it was what they're called. an Illithid dragon. Yeah. Uh, so it's black. Uh, it's black all outside. And then there's like this weird kind of like pinkish purple trim with like these bumps that you would almost see like on the underside of like an octopus's uh, tentacle. Um, and, uh, and he's trudging, trudging along, uh, probably not really speaking to anyone, um, unless being spoken to, I think he's thinking about stuff. 
Gotcha. And uh, what is uh, what's Bucky? What's Bucky doing? Oh, Bucky like won't shut the fuck up. Bucky's talking to everybody. <laughs> He's got to catch up with so many people. He's so happy to see everyone. Everybody looks so different. Um, he's a, uh, he's a teenage dragonborn. Um, well, we're a couple years on now, so maybe he's more like 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but still just that, that ever so like that, that youthful naivete. I don't know if that's ever going to leave him. Um, he wears, uh, he has, uh, blue scales, um, and, uh, a little crown of dragon horns that kind of come, come out the back of his head and he, and his face comes forward in a, in a snout. Um, uh, he's not dressed for the weather very much at all, uh, in that he does not have boots or anything like that. He just has his dragon, his dragon legs that he's walking on and, and he wears a, a blue robe with sort of like yellow slash kind of gold trim, uh, like a mage's robe, really. Um, <clears throat> uh, and he wears, uh, leather, leather fingerless gloves. That is actually his arcane focus. So a lot of his spells, they come kind of shooting out of his fingers a lot. Cause that's how he channels them. Um, and he's got, uh, and he, he's just, he's talking to anyone. He's talking at people. If they're like, no one wants to have a conversation with him. He's just, he's got stories to share. He wants to hear what everyone else has been up to. He's so happy to see everybody. Great. Um, Ryan, uh, what is butthole doing or how is butthole dealing with the, the, the cold? So butthole, uh, luckily he still has his vestments of house farch as well, because he took those off before he, committed valiant heroic uh oopsie daisies and got himself killed <laughs> uh and then sucked into another dimension but he's got that so so he is standing uh, he's wearing his his armor of sunsight so it is uh kind of like gold plate mail it's thinner than like the big chunky stuff you'd expect to see on knights like i would say if you average out like a world of warcraft character with the gold armor that aquaman wears in the most recent Aquaman movie with Jason Momoa. It's kind of in the mid-range of that with symbols of scythes kind of all over it. So that's kind of like, you know, neck down all the way up to gloves and boots is that. He's wearing his vestments over it so they go together because there's like some black and some purple and some pink mm-hmm. kind of thing uh, stretched over it. Uh, his head, I mean, butthole is he's like 6'4", and I used to say he weighed like 240, but I weigh like 240 and this motherfucker is bigger than me. <laughs> so he probably weighs like 280, 300 pounds realistically. He's a, He's a He's been described by, by by people as having big gay dad energy. And I think that is the perfect description of his personality. Uh, he is totally bald. He's got a bushy red beard that's probably running down to like kind of the bottom of his neck. It's not so big that you could like get a hang, hand in it like yank, but it's present. Uh, he has tattoos in his on his like chest and, and arms and stuff, but you can't see them because this guy has been hit with so much fire over the form of his career <laughs> that he is just a walking set of burn scars uh, that still somehow seems kind of jovial through them. Uh, and he's got a big scar over his face that kind of matches Quinny blue eyes. Uh, he's got his his he's so happy to have his his tummy bag back so over the gut of his armor because it's kind of form fitted to a guy with a beer gut who's also very strong. He's got I his uh, bag. You called of holding. it your tummy bag. Yeah, the tummy bag. I it's his that. bag of holding that he jams yeah. under the stomach of his armor. Yeah. A little tummy um, bag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's got his 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 big. He's got what a 
like, oh man, I've had so many hammer moonlight bringer. That's the name. I have so many hammer themed <laughs> weapons. Uh, it's kind of like carried in one hand over his shoulder. It's a giant war hammer at the, at the end. It's got the big kind of double hammer heads. None of that spike on the back crap. That's not a hammer. That's a spike. Uh, so he carries that. It's clearly enchanted. He's got a big kind of round shield uh, with Tyrannosaurus teeth hammered into the edges that are stabbing out. It's looking a little more like black and spooky because that was back from his days as a professional god murderer slash celebrity with the Forsaken. Uh, so he's kind of trudging along. I think he's had a lot of moments to think since they've arrived. He's deeply bothered that no one knows where Goblin Jr. is. So that's fucking haunting him and the rest of his people. Plus he's got to take over an empire and he, he's back. So now he's got to be King again, not Quinny. There's a lot of math. So I think he's leading in his head towards like nailing down what his plans are. He probably hasn't announced them yet, but he's, I think, and then Reginald's just over his shoulder. Reginald would be like, I want to be the, just behind the guy who can bring people back from the dead. <laughs> so Reginald's butthole's brother. He's a little younger uh, he's a little thinner. He's a little skeezier. Like if if you were to take you know butthole and then have a makeup or like have him thin down and have a makeup artist go, this guy's gonna play a guy on meth. Then you might just get a little <laughs> bit of Reginald. There's still a little bit of nobility to Reginald, but he's just got a little bit of cravenness about him. He's he's in traditional kind of like warrior for the god of war uh, hero outfit. So it's a little bit villainous. It's big kind of silver plate mail with a uh, with like red kind of fabric woven in and a cape. Uh, oh God, what's his weapon now? Oh yeah, he's got his, <laughs> his he's, it's got everybody's broken things. It's been big twists. Uh, he's got bright gold gloves of the dragon uh, and he's carrying like a two-handed war hammer that the head of which is on fire, uh, which I think he's, he's rigged up a way to be able to wear it on his back. So it like pokes out the side about three feet away from him. So it like lights his path in front, but doesn't risk setting him on fire. Now, he's also bald uh, and he's got the, a similar beard. You could mistake one for the other if you didn't know them very well. But if you're in the same room, you're like, oh, not the same guy. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. And uh, Juniper, um, you are wheeling along beside them. Um, what uh, What's going through Juniper's head right now? Um, I think Juniper is so grateful to be alive. Um, <laughs> it, it was... Uh, I, I, I mean, she kind of had a a moment of like, I would say triumph slash hopelessness was kind of going through her head as she was like, "Haha, Xanthus, I got your eye. Oh shit, I'm, I'm dead." Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I, but I I think she's probably spending a lot of time talking with Bucky, just because like uh, the another Bucky killed her pretty violently. Um, so I think she's talking to him. I mean, there's probably part of her that is like wondering, it's like, Hey, this Bucky's not going to turn out to be evil too. Right. And just like kind of aware that like, she should probably just keep somewhat of an eye on her eye on him, but um, also to kind of process her own trauma, I think is just like, okay, I kind of need to kind of get back on the horse with a uh, Bucky. <laughs> like I'm just going to talk to him a bunch and it's going to be great. Um, uh, so, and it's also, I think it's been really cool 
merging with the old West Moss. Um, that's just kind of been interesting. So, so I think she's also spending a lot of time just kind of talking to herself really and kind of processing, like, I think they're both kind of processing, like kind of the new memories and new experiences that they're having together. Um, because Juniper wasn't really a leader. She was very much kind of doing her own thing and like gathering, you know, like following people who could help her, you know, deal with the great collide. Um, but having kind of old West Moss who really took to like protecting the people of her town and everything and, and, uh, feeling very responsible for them, um, uh, in a kind of an official capacity, I think Juniper's kind of enjoying that feeling and, and kind of like, oh, there's a lot to learn. I can, I can gain a lot from this. Um, I think that's probably all that's going through her head. Um, so Juniper is, looks very much like, uh, the Juniper we know from Dumb Faerun. Um, so she's got, uh, she's kind of shorter in stature, a very like athletic build. Um, she's a, looks like a human. Um, this is Juniper is the primary persona for those who don't know of Moss, who is a changeling. Um, so Juniper is, looks like a human, um, has very like sun, as she's kind of like perpetually kind of like sunburn tanned kind of <laughs> just cause she's like out a lot, um, has kind of like chestnut hair, uh, always very messy. Um, she wears plate mail. So, I mean, she lost her armor Blingenstone, right? So I imagine she's gone to get more plate because, I mean, being a paladin, she can't be without armor. Yeah, we'll say for now that um, you're wearing, uh, because you're, when you merged with Old West Moss, you kind of inherited her body. Um, so she was wearing like Old West stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think from the the caravan that you've mended, um, there's uh, some of Leanne Lion Shield's provisions were still oh, on nice. board the, the caravan. Um, I'd say for now, it isn't quite up to, to snuff with what you'd like. You can almost okay. think of it as uh, like Mad Max or Fallout style armor right now, where it's like you've kind of strapped a bunch of different pieces. Very cobbled from, together. Yeah, for sure. Um, once you get to a town or or somewhere where you can buy stuff, plate mail is fairly... Like that would be an easy enough thing for you to find. Yeah. It's just right now, we'll say mechanically you still have the benefit of it, but right now just it's it's much more ramshackle than you used to. That said, Juniper tends not to be fussed by such things. Um, and I think we can say that part of the reason your armor class, like your AC isn't affected, is uh, because you're in a combat wheelchair now, yes. it also has its own sort of plate on it and such. Like it's it's reinforced. So I think in a way that is also providing you some benefit in terms of um, defensive maneuvers. So as a result, cool. you're you're kind of like, <laughs> it, it evens out to be about what your plate nail was. And then once you're actually somewhere, you can probably uh, load back up. It's just hard in the woods. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so like Tom said, um, uh, Juniper's now in uh, the combat wheelchair uh, that old Wes Moss had. Um so she's just fucking rocking out. It's basically like like kind of like a reinforced, beefed up, like kind of metal and wood wheelchair. Yeah, excellent. Nice. Um, 
So uh, along with the top hat, which is just being a top hat, uh, you're making your way through the woods. I'm going to say that on the first night, everyone was just kind of bagged. Like there wasn't a lot of, of talking. Um, uh, Bucky was talking. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bucky was talking. Uh, but, but for the rest of you, I think it was just like, uh, we made it out of hell. We defeated Captain Plantier, killed the one of many faces. Like, you know, let's live first and then talk later. Um, but now, of course, you've had a bit of a chance to uh, to kind of talk things through. Now, that said, it has only been a day. And part of that day was just pure exhaustion and survival stuff and buying your wounds and everything else. Uh, I'd be curious what kind of um, the major conversations would be. Now, we know um, from, Laura, what you just described, uh, that uh, Juniper would be chatting with Bucky a bunch to try and, like, yeah. reestablish non-murderous Bucarius, the the demon monster who who killed you in a, a previous... Uh, previous capacity. Um, so we know that's going on. Um, I'm curious kind of what other major conversations we think are, are happening. Um, Queenie, you're obviously waiting for a sign from Baba Yaga, having completed, um, her, uh, her contract, uh, to do defeat the one of many faces, her, uh, prodigal son. Um, and you know, it won't be long before she reaches out. So I don't think Buck or I don't think Quinny is worried about, I have to figure out a way to contact Baba Yaga. Baba yeah. Yaga always finds a way to contact yeah. you. So instead it's more waiting for the, the, the fucking mysterious sigil than it is. Yeah. Like anything else. Uh, Quinny would definitely have some very like pointed questions. Again, I said, he's not really up for conversation, so he would want this information and that would basically be it. He's not really much of a, Hey, how's it going? Kind of mood right now, but he's definitely, he's definitely needs some answers. Um, cool. From who? He would want to ask what happened to Juniper. Um, he heard she was dead and then he basically jumped into a portal into hell, uh, you know, after one night of binge drinking and sorrow being like, Juniper, how, why, where, when? All of those kinds of questions. Um, so he would definitely want to ask her about that. Um, he would also want to know from Stephen if he could come up with the date that he and Reginald jumped into that portal to venture into hell and tell that to Steven and find out how much time has passed since they went to like, is this, is this, you know, this empire taking over the land? Is this a, a decade in the making? Did this happen overnight? Like what, what happened there? Uh, it's been about three months, three months. Yeah. Um, from what Steven describes um, the, so you were aware before you jumped in that uh, a car had kind of turned to necromancy um, with the, the sort of like, undead army that was uh, besieging the the orc castle where you you got cron uh where you broke him out of out of the dungeon um we from our epilogues uh know also if, if you're new to the show and or a longtime listener who's never listened to the end of an episode uh keep it out for those epilogues because man lots of plot lives in those secret endings yeah um because i'm just a marvel cinematic universe director i guess uh, at heart. Um, but um, as we learned from uh, those, uh, Emily, uh, formerly uh, Lady Antebellum, uh, now Typhus, uh, was was resurrected as uh, as a lich as well by, by Typhus. So basically, you've now got two liches running, running things. And as you determined just at the very tail end of your adventure in hell, um, the reason hell was empty was that uh, Typhus had struck a deal uh, with Manny, and as a result, had access to a massive force that basically, essentially, like teleported into Faerun uh, out of kind of a variety of of hellmouths, 
Um, so <clears throat> it only took three months. Um, as you'll recall, the land was already fairly weakened from the the longstanding war with with Aka. Um, things had kind of settled a little bit. The war itself seemed over, um, and Aka seemed um, kind of essentially to be um, not defeated, but at least um, quarantined uh, back within their own borders. Uh, however, a, a, a suddenly appearing army of the damned, um, you know, Aragorn style, uh, proves to be a bit of an issue. So when the dead rose, uh, suddenly they were everywhere. They didn't need to march. They just were. So the takeover was uh, rather fast and rather furious. Also, with the planteers being weakened by um, their efforts against you, uh, and also their their like biggest weapon, Captain Plantier, being obsessed with finding his his former bride, Moonhammer. Um, there was no one to stand in their way. Each of the nations has their own army, and like uh, certainly Greywater put up a fight. Um, but ultimately, uh, this this happened. It was a it was a essentially a bit of a like a rollover situation where just like army of the dead rolled through. Um, what Stephen was able to tell you is um, this isn't a walking dead situation where like the world is just mindless zombies eating everyone. Um, the dead are controlled. Um, so essentially you can think of them more as an occupying force in cities, at least out in the wilds, they're kind of left to their own devices. And that's where you get full on like brains, brains, om nom nom. Um, but within the city centers themselves, they patrol the streets, they essentially police the various nations. So it's not like, you know, the world has been wiped out. It's just that the world is now occupied by an army of undead monsters uh, under the firm control of Grace and Typhus, uh, the Lich King. I think with that information, um, the conversation with Juniper still definitely needs to happen. But if mm. we are, if we are marching i think then quinny is more taking up a vanguard position he is stealthing out ahead of the party because it sounds like we're in the heart of enemy territory there there could be enemy anywhere so he's he's not he's not just kind of marching along he's he's in stealth mode trying to basically scout ahead for sure that makes sense yeah the the vibe you're getting is that with this army of the damned um in the land of the dead they've managed to just pin down all of the major like cities towns like everyone is kind of under martial law, uh, mm. except that rather than, you know, the army, it's fucking zombies. So um, the way they're controlling that is by absolutely just turning like any kind of wilderness area into a no man's land, which is very unfortunate for everyone who lives in those areas, because right. it means they are facing uncontrolled zombie hordes. Um, but within the city centers, towns, that sort of thing, they are are controlled and it's more like uh, Nazi-occupied France, where it's like there's strict rules, strict regulations, uh, but instead of Nazis, you've got zombies. Um, uh, so, so that does change what Quinny does. Uh, Bucky, however, still will not shut the fuck up uh, totally unless fair. somebody shuts him up. <laughs> you also admittedly haven't seen a zombie uh, yeah. yet. And okay. um, Stephen, uh, <laughs> who, as you'll recall, was kind of like hunkered down with the the ruined caravan, hasn't seen seen one in some time. Um, he also, in his flight from a cog, very, very good at at dodging the zombie hordes. Um, much like uh, in, say, a series like The Walking Dead, where like a single person actually stands a tremendously good chance of being able to sneak through because it's just like you can pick your moments and blah yeah. blah blah. Um, he's been able to make a good thing. That said, now that you are moving as a caravan, uh, a little harder. Um, cool. So Juniper, how much um, would you tell Quinny? Would you tell him everything? Would you tell him a sanitized version? What What do you think? Uh... I tell him everything, everything, how I went to Candlekeep and I talked 
I was directed to a planeswalker, Sylvia, I think her name was, um, uh, how I found out that like, I'm not the chosen one, but I was like chosen by my people as like the person most likely to like stop or fix the, the great collide. Um, which is even more terrifying because it's like, oh, I don't have any special abilities really. Like I'm not, I'm not going to Neo this one, you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to fly away. So, um, yeah. And then I'll, uh, I, I don't know how much this we need to like role play, but like, you know, that I was going to search for Avalon Riker. Xanthus had his head. Okay. I took Xanthus's eye and Bacarius killed me, took my heart. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say that I think um, in terms of the role play, what I'd like to see is kind of the reaction more than anything to this. Mm. And like, we can have a follow-up and that's also true butthole um, for you. If, if you, yeah, I think if we this, imagine this, this is the, this the would chat have been around a, the fire at exactly the end of the right. day. Kind yes. Of oh, sure. yes, yes, yes. hundred percent. Oh, wow. Okay. That's well, Quite yeah, a journey. I mean, Bucky, uh, did you meet like a roided up version of yourself somewhere? I I don't think so. I haven't seen him or met him or anything, but I mean, you know, it's a, it's a big wide world out there. Who knows? Bucky, can you roll me a history check for yourself? 17 on the die plus, let me just bring him up here. History plus two, 19. So, uh, with that, uh, I'm going to say you have access to this, but I'm not sure if you would actually use it or not. Um, Tyler, how self-aware is Bucky about his own past uh, and the possibility of of having become this if things had gone differently? Do you think he'd be able to make that leap or would he, it just seem so far outside that he wouldn't? It's certainly something that he doesn't really like to have to face. But I also think his recollection of that is entirely like a first person account. You know what I mean? Like Mm, it's the mm -hmm. events that were close to him that he remembers. Doesn't necessarily remember like the societal structure. Right. Of course. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Um, So I think he would answer it ambiguously just being like, yep. Yeah. Cool. Gotcha. Great. It could happen. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices, if people were outside of the U.S., were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. 
Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love. Every day in the nice little Canadian town of Beaver Mount, Ontario, is pretty much the same. Folks are polite, there's a hockey game that evening, and someone gets brutally murdered. Sorry About the Murder, a very Canadian murder mystery podcast. New episodes weekly. Listen to season one now by typing Sorry About the Murder into your favorite podcast app. Ah, ben look! Hey everybody, it's me, Bucky. They're letting me read an ad. Oh, I'm very excited. This one is for the Dum Dums and Dice Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, you can join the $15 per month tier and name NPCs that appear in the series. You'll give me a bunch of new friends to say hello to, and I'm very excited about that. I always admired Mr. Butthole for being able to say, uh, hello, new friend, to anybody, and they immediately like him, and they all become his best friend, and that's all I really want, is to have new friends as well. It gets a little lonely here at the castle, uh, and, and, you know, it would just be really nice if we it, become friends. So if you, you got someone in mind, you know, someone from maybe one of your other campaigns or your own OC or something like that, and you want to, you know, say hi to me, well, I, I really like that. So you, if you go over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice that's d-u-m-b-d-u-m-b-d-i-c-e you can you can make it happen looking forward to meeting you bye cool so we'll say like you are aware of your personal circumstance but not necessarily making that immediate leap to like oh if i'd zigged instead of zagged could have been me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And a Juniper would point out, it's like, I, I think we, I mean, we really should be careful. Like this Bacarius like person is like consuming other Bucky's just like Xanthus. Uh, Juniper, can you roll me a wisdom check, please? Sure. Say a wisdom save. Wisdom save. Yep. Or an intelligence save. Others oh, fine. 22. Ooh. Um, you actually don't have any proof of that. Xanthus has been consuming other people. Yeah. But um, there is nowhere. I did. Your, I thought Bucky had told me that. Okay, maybe uh, not. He, he said he'd killed a bunch of uh, changelings. Um, but uh, no, Bucky has not been consuming other other Bucky's. Well, then that's just, there we go. I make assumptions. No, it's all good. It's all good. That's why <laughs> I say about assumptions is that it's going to make an ass out of someone. And I think it's me. But you know what? It's fine. It's fine. We're all here. So this is a pretty fucking crazy time. I think we can all agree. I mean, nobody thinks this is normal, right? Whole world's gone bad. We just came back from hell for the second time. No. Kind of fucked up. Not, yeah. Not what okay. I was expecting to come back to. I, well, I mean, it was only it. the first time for me, but okay. So on the bright side, my mom is still alive, so she can be rescued. Uh, maybe she's a good person, despite the whole lich thing. But she marries scumbags, and this Grayson Typhus guy has got to get fucking murdered. Like, I just want to stomp him into the ground, but he's a lich, which means his head's in a jar or something, and we have to break the jar to kill him, right? Uh, yeah, in my research into, you know, things like breaking infernal contracts and things like that, there's, uh, I don't really know how it works exactly. There's, uh, there's a thing called a phylactery, uh, and it's, it's important to a lich. That's all I know. It's, I don't know if it's like the source of their power or what, but they usually, 
only have one. Uh, and I don't know. Every lich has one. So I think, you know, it's important to them. Uh, yeah. Tyler, wasn't Alan trying to get that phylactery? Yeah. Yeah. She was. I mean, obviously she's got other stuff going on now. Uh, um, Tyler, I will say based on your research around trying to get um, Alan back and, and looting her her lab, mm-hmm. uh, her library rather, uh, aboard the McSquiggly, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're, you're fairly confident in this. Alan had a much clearer idea of the phylactery when it came to um, the stack and that kind of adventure. But um, yeah, you're you're fairly certain that that's that's how how this this breaks down. Yeah. Okay, so we basically got to find this phylactery, but we probably need to find my mom's too because I need to keep that one safe. Um, but uh, we need Look, to find those, and then we need we to get, stop. Before we get too deep into a, a, a game plan, I, I need you to acknowledge the possibility that you know your mom is not, that she's beyond saving, You know that she's not the good person that we all hope she is. Um, you know, she she might have to, she might have to die. Tyler, you know. can you roll me a deception check? <laughs> I think Butthole's going to have his own reaction to this either way, but I want to know how convincing it seemed. Deception? <laughs> all right. I, I was trying to speak honestly. <laughs> uh, this good person we all know she is. I don't think you've ever thought that uh, Emily is a good person. I said we all hope she is. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if you hoped. <laughs> if I, I hope like... because I got to deal with her son. That's why I hope it. All right, fair enough. You know what? I'll give you advantage then. You're, okay. you're convincing he yourself. He's not needed with his bonuses to deception. Uh, that's uh, yeah, that's a twenty-two. Cool. Yep. All right. So it, it's convincing <laughs> enough. Butthole, you can respond everyone. I also just want to say, for clarity's sake, um, I'm as trying with, to twist your arm here with this deception check, you know, re- 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 yep. react to it however you want. But yeah. um, as with uh, as with Bucky, um, we're going to assume Ryan, like your primary character, is Butthole now. Now that he's back. So yeah. unless we're sort of specifying Reginald's involved, uh, Reginald will be nearby, probably paying attention. Um, we might say that this particular conversation happens while he's on watch, um, just because someone would have to be looking out for it. I think, yeah, yeah. Like, or he might be standing five feet away, but you got to throw to him kind of thing. I'm with exactly. you. Yeah, 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 not- yeah. So Ryan will either I'll throw to Reginald or Ryan, you'll let me know, like, Reginald sidles up and says, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. given that both of their voices are very similar, I just wanted to clarify that out of the gate so that uh, no one's like, who is it, though? I want to know. Yeah, this um, is all butthole right now. Yeah. Um, okay, well, do you know what? She may have done some stuff that's kind of bad. So there is a chance that she may have to be charged in the court of law and found guilty, and there are prices and punishments to be dealt out. And I agree with that. I, I think when he's going to just have to take that as a win tonight, like around the campfire, first day back onto the mortal plane, like, like that's all right. We'll have to leave it at that. And uh, Juniper, you find yourself um, surprised to be agreeing with this more than I think you would have previously yeah. been, because this kind of seems like a problem to be stopped. But Sheriff Moss believes in law and order, uh, in a different way than, than sort of standard paladin law and order. She believes in like, the way Sheriff Quinny taught her to, to believe in it um, back in, uh, um, oh, Jesus, what was the name of the town? Uh, Tomb Slab? Tomb Slab, thank you. Yes, where dreams go to die. Um, <laughs> which is the sign down, right? we, we never got to, but uh, the sign outside Tomb Slab said, where dreams go to fly, but someone had crossed it out and written die. I was really proud of it, and I forgot to mention it, so I'm mentioning it now. Uh, yes. Um, so, yeah, in Tomb Slab, like, court of law, important. Now, granted, that would usually lead to a hanging, 
but um, the court was still there. So I think it's one of those things where just like, you're kind of like, hmm, yes. And then you kind of catch yourself and realize like, oh, right. Someone else lives in here and has feelings and opinions. Yeah. Because I like Juniper's like a lawful good. Moss is like mm-hmm. a lawful neutral. Like she mm-hmm. is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it seems like our goals are. We need to uh, free the world from a necromantic horde. Uh, we need to get back our friends who clearly should be here in this caravan because they're members of House Farch, which actually might make them number one priority, but I'm not really sure there's a lot going on. Uh, we need to kill Grace and Typhus uh, and arrest my mom, uh, pending trial. And uh, <laughs> we need to stop Xanthus from destroying the universe. So I think step one is for me to officially say... House Farch is declaring war on the land of a car. So just, I declare war. Keep it down, man. Keep it down. We're in the he middle of the enemy woods. territory. Uh, Reginald's ears perk up at this because going to war is the last thing Reginald wants any day. But he does want what's in the vault in a car. So yeah, I think he, he comes comes over to um, to put in his two cents. Also probably doing the like Ross Geller from Friends, like keep it down, double thumbs up um, to back uh, Queenie, his surprise best buddies play. Um, because uh, yeah, don't don't yell. <laughs> Things yeah. hurt you when you yell. So Reginald kind of walks up and is like, all right, so I hear we're declaring war. I was wondering, have you considered who's going to be your general? Perhaps someone to lead from the back. Stay away from combat. You know, make sure other people make smart decisions on the front. Well, says Butthole. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I've been thinking about that, and I'm pretty sure that I should be the general, but... The one thing I know about you is that you're sneaky and you spend a lot of time with bad people and you don't like to be in the front of the fight, but you're crafty. So I'm thinking we need to make you House Farch's spy master. And Reginald's like, whoa, that seems... I mean, you want me to hide somewhere and just get information and tell you what other people are going to do, but also hide? I mean, I'm I'm meant for war or whatever, but I'll take it. (laughs) Um, I think Steve, I'm like, Kind of like out of your line of sight, kind of puts up his hand as like a well, a- actually, I uh, okay. And then he just got like Quinny's beside him, just like just like puts a hand on like no 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 shut up this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then because you, you you'll do that. I, I think Reginald is is the money ball guy. He got the job he wanted, and he doesn't want the description to become more specific, so he's already pieced out again. Like it's it's when you get your yes, hang up the phone. He just does that yeah. conversationally. Uh, so Butthole turned to Steve and be like, and you seem to know everything that's going on. So I'm thinking we might need to make you Reginald's assistant because you know what else is happening. Reginald is very good at um, being in charge in evil, and you seem to be an expert in sort of obsequious evil. Uh, so you you can go with him and then figure that out. But we might have questions for you, so, so stay here. Okay, Juniper, you're my hand. That's important. So that's good. We don't need to change that. But Quinny... You're my court jester, and that feels vaguely inappropriate at a time of oh, it does, does it? Who's dead is eating the living, and the world is a toilet. Um, so I've been thinking about a jobs. ceiling on how appropriate that is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we might still need to use it for cover, but I've been thinking about it, and I want to instate something that existed in old laws of a car, which is I want to name you the chief privateer of House Farch. I don't know if you know a lot about privateers, but basically in war, there, there were always like pirates and stuff, right? Yep. 
They just steal shit and take what they want. But that doesn't really help anybody. So what, what you can do during war is legalize privateers. So I give you a charter, and then he just yells, charter, at him. <laughs> and again, the hands come, like, keep it down. So what that means is now you can rob anybody who's on the bad side. So anybody from a car or anybody who's teamed up with a car or the planters or whoever's being a dickhead, uh, you have to give the nation of a car, or in this case, House Farch, you have to give us half of what it, but you can keep the other half and it's all legal. You can rob anybody in the name of the war. So you can make money and you can help fund the war and you can be a criminal. And because you're the chief privateer, you can give charters to anybody you think could do the job well. Uh, a single tear rolls down Quentin's <laughs> cheek. <laughs> he just... Uh, it would be an honor to steal legally and keep a lot of stuff. All right, so you could do that. But the only thing is, when you name your privateers, if they start robbing innocent people, then they're still guilty for those crimes. They just got to rob the bad dudes. They're just guilty? Yeah, then you're not guilty for that. Oh my god, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, just, just a small, a small point of order here. Um, yeah. Now you've, quote unquote, declared war. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how, how does? How, I mean, is are we informally declaring it just to ourselves? We're no, so no, no, small. I, it's. It's not going to be recognized I mean, how, how until are, we start killing monarchs. Yeah, I, I mean, declaring war, doesn't that usually take an, an action? Like, do, don't we have to do something to declare war? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to write the letters tonight so that we can, like, mail okay. them out by birds. So I was going to say, nothing, that, like, nothing's, nothing, nothing's going to happen if you just yell it. Uh, no, I figured we'd do something creepy where it would be, like, buttholes back from hell. I'm going to kill Grace and Typhus. This means war. Something cryptic that says, like, we're here, but we're cool. Just send a letter with with a puckered circle stamped at the bottom (laughs) or something, you know. I mean, you you now also hold the additional title in addition to, you know, rightful king of a car of the butt hammer, um, which is uh, the title that Moonhammer gave you. Not an official, you know, it's not like your name changed, but uh, sort of the... the, uh, as the the avatar of of Moonhammer in this dimension, uh, you've got a bunch of you're, you're you're just building up your Daenerys Targaryen like fucking laundry list of like first of her name, breaker of chains, mother of dragons, the butt hammer, king of a car, you know, yeah, weddings I mean, done cheap, uh, all the things the butthole can do. The other bonus to the cryptic <laughs> message is that my name takes a long time to write now because it's like butthole farch, you know, former god slayer, rightful ruler of a car, leader of house farch, butt hammer, the avatar of Moonhammer to this world. Like, there's just a lot. We might have to come up with like an acronym and then, you know, people can remember it like Roy G. Biv or whatever. You know, we'll get there. But, uh, okay, we got a hand. He's like, who's Roy G. Biv? <laughs> That's it. Oh wow! It doesn't, it doesn't need an answer. It's just Quinny being an idiot. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> your chief, your chief privateer. So, Stephen, you're here. I think the the big question, because you seem to have the most context of any of us, is I don't know where are our friends and what should we do now? Because right now we're just walking in a random direction. Um, I will say that you're you're kind of following the path that the the caravan was on, which seems like a reasonable um, way to go. I think collectively, what we we can say has already kind of happened is the decision to kind of seek out your friends first and foremost. Obviously you're worried about Goblin Jr., but there's like the whole party is 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 fractured right now. So that's kind of priority number one. Also just yeah. to get your bearings. You don't actually really know where you are. Um, so um, 
Stephen uh, basically uh, just says like, um, well, uh, it, it would seem to me, uh, your highness, that uh, a, a car has has a stronghold uh, and a fortress and a, a safe point. Uh, from from what I've seen of my travels, there there are no longer safe spaces in this in this world. Uh, the the dead are everywhere. Uh, it's the problem with graveyards. I've always said since this began. So not always, but recently. Um, so it, it would seem to me, uh, your highness, that uh, the, the first order of business perhaps should be uh, to, to find somewhere safe, somewhere we could make safe, where, where we could have a, a place of strength. Um, a car has that. And in, until we, we have our own, uh, they, they will continue. Now, I understand that the, being able to move and, and staying you know, uh, nimble is useful. It's how I've survived. But um, if we're trying to rally others to our cause, um, there are many who would who would flock to to an alternative banner uh, if offered one, but they they would need some some assurance that they, they they would be safe. So, if I may offer my suggestion, it would be let let us first find your friends, and then let let's find somewhere where we can kind of um, dig in and start to build. All right, I like that. So we we find our friends, and then we go and start some kind of fortress or liberate a town that we're then in charge of. All right. So on my to do list, I need to. Make more Bibles, because Quinny never got around to that, so the Moon Mandments are available. I need to probably get a crown of some kind. I need to declare war on everybody. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty good list. I don't know. Does anybody feel like we're missing anything? Well, uh, oh, uh, actually, I think Quinny's about to speak, and then Bucky will be like, what's my job? What, what do I do? Mr. Butthole? What? Oh, Interesting. Well, Alan, Alan became some kind of portal mistress or something. Was that what I was told? That's what I heard, yeah. Okay, congratulations. You're the court wizard. So you're in charge of magical defense and uh, offense. Wizard. Uh and and he he like gets really excited and then thinks, uh, but I'm not a wizard though, Mr. Mr. Butthole. I'm a sorcerer. Is that okay? Uh yes, we're gonna call you the court sorcerer. Oh my wait. Did what? we even officially bring you into House Farch? Oh my God. Uh, and he just starts no. like, he it's pulls like... off his his own vestments uh, and he goes over to Bucky. And he's like, you're going to put this on. All right, here you go. And he like straps him in and he's like, you get close to him and you put them around his shoulders and you hear him just like say, it's like, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I butthole Farch. I butthole for- Farch. Oh, no, this isn't one of, I'm sorry. I but hope Farch, former god slayer, rightful ruler of a car, blah 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 blah. Okay, Roy G. Biff. Uh declare you a member of House Farch and the official court sorcerer of House Farch and the nation of a car reborn. That uh, you can kneel if you want. Both knees. He's down. <laughs> uh, and then he's going to uh butthole, realizing that this has actually become a moment, uh stands there and you just hear one of those really high-pitched farts that just kind of goes on a little bit too long <laughs> and then uh, a like spiritual hammer comes out of his butt and just comes up and then reaches down and touches one of Bucky's shoulder in the night way and then the other and he says rise rise to a brighter tomorrow because we're gonna kick some fucking ass together uh, and uh, Bucky uh Bucky like springs up, like his feet leave the ground. He like jumps up into the air. Um, and he'll cast like prestidigitation and like small fireworks and sparks come out of his hand. Yay! Like, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Butthole. Oh, it's good to have you back, buddy. You're the coolest. <laughs> 
so having inducted um, Bucky into House Farch um, with, uh, you know, the sound of fireworks, uh, he throws some some dog barks in there yeah. uh, in honor of Goblin Jr., uh, wherever he may be. Quinny's just um, trying to manage this whole thing. Just like, guys, keep it the fuck down. Yeah, weirdly, I, I assume, and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Reginald would be doing the same. Uh, there, there seems to, like, now that he and Quinny are kind of, of like, against their, 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 in spite of themselves, on the same page, uh, I feel like both of them would be trying to stop. Like, yeah, I feel like I feel like Reginald actually because they are on the same team, but still have that kind of like buddy cop who bother each other way. Like I think Reginald is just looking back to Quinny as though why isn't Quinny shutting this up? So it's like Quinny's trying to talk to Butthole, Reginald's trying to talk to Quinny. Right, love it. Uh, yeah, um, I should also point out um, Vex did not return with you. Um, unlike she's got family down there now, she does. Yeah, and she is. Uh, she's currently uh, exploring the uh, the Devlington lineage. Mm. Um, but, uh, with, with a promise, uh, to return and find you, but just wanted to exp- point out where she is. Cause I'm like, here's where everyone is. Oh, and that one other person is, is not with you. Um, so, um, having done that, you're now on the road. Um, so we, we now pick back up, uh, at, at the moment we first described like Bucky just kind of yammering on, um, Juniper, I feel like through that conversation, you got a bit of kind of your, your Bucky chat enough to kind of understand what's going on. So I think yeah. you're still, that awkward, like, I know in my own experience, this is usually like, if I've done something that's really like pissed off miles, I'll, when, once everything is fine, but I'm still not really sure if everything's fine, I'll just be like talking a mile a minute, like asking a bunch of questions <laughs> and being like unnecessarily like, oh, hey, so like um, uh, a thing you're interested in, huh? Tell me about that. Like, are we good? Uh, so I think it's it's that with, with Juniper and, and Bucky, but like Bucky just is such a fucking motor mouth that, you can't actually get a sense of it, but it is yeah. comforting at least that he's, you know, talking in his, his delightful, like uh, naive and hopeful way, rather than in like a, I am destroyer of worlds. Uh, let me <laughs> tell you about how I, I vivisected all of your friends and family back home. Yeah. Kind of way. It's nice. It's a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, and so um, we're, we're back on this, this wintry road. Um can the three of you please, as your primary characters, roll me an investigation check? Or a perception. You can take your pick. Could it be insight for Butthole, who only ever thinks with what his feels? No. Nice. <laughs> uh, sorry, what was the ask? Investigation? Investigation or perception. Okay. Wow. Uh, 24 for Quinny. I've got 15 perception. Okay. 12 for Butthole. 12. Um, Quinny and Juniper, um, you, uh, as the, the snow begins to, um, to kind of thicken a little bit, uh, you notice, um, some, uh, footsteps, um, and, um, there seem to be, uh, two pairs of, sorry, Tyler, you got a, footsteps, like I'm hearing them and they're close. Uh, sorry, prints, prints, like there's trace. Prints. Okay. I was like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort out. They're here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You see, uh, yeah, you see footprints um, and uh, uh, sort of two two wheel um, tracks um, that uh, seem to be uh, kind of leading uh, along along the path in front of you. Um, and uh, as soon as you notice it, of course, you like you know throw the hand up. Uh, the caravan uh, slows, and um, as uh, as you listen, um, you uh, you think you hear kind of a. a 
sort of like the the sounds of shouting in the distance and uh, what sounds like combat. What do you do? Um, I'll uh, I'll turn back and I'll say uh, I'll I'll tell the party like there's there's combat ahead. There's a fight. Come on, come up, and we'll I I will encourage everyone to kind of like collectively move up uh, until we can see what's going on. Um, so the trees are getting denser. Um, you can't quite see from where you are. Uh, you can hear it kind of echoing off the trees and sort of bouncing off them from a distance. Um, if you, as you, you kind of crouch and, and watch, I think Quinny with that role specifically, um, you can see, uh, the flash of a sword, uh, at distance and, um, hear, hear sort of the, the sounds of a conflict. It's a little ways away, uh, through the trees. Uh, it's off the path. Um, <clears throat> I, I think it's it's safe to say, again, our default, um, at least for now, is kind of going to be almost like a character select screen um, where we determine who goes where. For the purposes of this adventure, it's going to be a Juniper Quinny butthole um, mm-hmm. adventure. In future adventures um, where one of you, it's going to be a little bit like um, a lot of like party-based games where it's like, well, you have to take this person, but then everyone else can be whoever they want. Uh, in this particular instance, though, we're going to stay with the prime characters because uh, each of you now has a prime character. Now that Alan is off being portal mistress of the Raven Gates, uh, now that Butthole's back, now that uh, Quinny is back, that's going to be our core team. And then you can swap in Reginald or Bucky as as you see fit um, when there's the opportunity to do so. In this case, just assume the default is always yep. the core the okay. core characters. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think Butthole would order you know, Reginald to essentially stay and protect the caravan and then probably quietly ask Bucky to stay and look after Reginald to make sure he doesn't run away. Yeah. Bucky, Bucky's not doing stealth stuff. Come on. He's been, he's been talking nonstop for the last three months. I assume. (laughs) You got it, sir. You can count on the court sorcerer. Oh, uh, sorry, to be clear, you guys haven't been walking around for three months. It's been three months okay. since they entered hell. We did like 48 hours of hell, okay. but it was three months out here. Yeah. It just felt like it because Bucky wouldn't shut the Oh, damn. Yeah. No, if it was three months, we'd be having a much longer conversation. <laughs> no, that's the only chat we had for three months of silence. Yeah, just once. Well, the rest and, is just small talk. Yeah, and then yeah. you're walking and cleaning. So like, like, do you think the clouds were time in hell? I saw a little like fire guy. He was pretty cool. He didn't want to talk much, but he, he was like a little fireball with legs. I kind of like to imagine that Bucky's just telling stories from before hell, like just from things that like <laughs> yeah. a lot of people were actually here for. Like, and then me and the Forsaken, well, we went here and it's like, yeah, we, we know. We And then the airship crashed. And, and it's like, <laughs> we were there, man. There were gargoyles. Yeah. Like, we, we fucking know, man. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's headcanon for me, but no, it's uh, for you. Alrighty. It's been, it's been a, a like a, it's been like part of a day, a night, and okay. now it's like the second day since you left hell. So logically, team, that does make sense. Yes. <laughs> Alpha team is watching, is like creeping towards fight, and Bravo team is back at the caravan. So Sounds they're good. doing their thing. All right. So we're not aware of anyone else fighting who's like not either anti undead or undead, right? I can't tell from here. Uh, it, if there's fighting with weapons that seems like living folk, you know. Not not zombies. All right. Do you want to go hide somewhere and Juniper and I can make an entrance? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Let me, I'll climb up a tree over here and I'll try and get a little higher. All right. Go ahead and roll me a stealth check at disadvantage uh, because you're climbing a cold tree. Ooh, not 20 on the one roll, but let's see. 
I think with a 10. I was going to say, if it's, it's anything other good. than a one, I think you pass with flying colors. So on a 10, it's a 25 stealth check. <laughs> Quinny, the accidental bard. Um, all right. So, yeah, you you go up a tree, like one of those, like anyone who's in kind of, <laughs> I've always seen these videos and always blows my mind, but like anyone who spends a lot of time doing like kind of modern lumberjack practice where it's just like someone just being like, up we go. And you're like, right, yeah. So like, boop, boop, boop. Um, and then um, Butthole and Juniper, you're just going to kind of like <clears throat> stroll and roll right in there. I think, yeah, we'll creep forwards, but if there's no way to do it hidden way, then it's just bursting onto the you scene. You can stealth in. Uh, no one is looking for you. Combat is, is um, you know, in mid play, like it's, it's happening. So if you want to try and creep up, you absolutely can. I'll just need stealth checks from both of you. Mm, I think butthole's a strong and wrong guy. I think he's just going to burst <laughs> onto the scene and try to be dynamic in whatever the response needs to be. Cause if there are skeletons, then fuck skeletons. He doesn't need to sneak up because good people could die. If this is like some farmer versus 10 zombies or whatever. That's um, true. So uh, you you step forward boldly um, to find um, a uh, sort of an adult uh, dragonborn um, with a sword in hand um, fighting um, small um, sort of uh, skeletal, almost crystalline um, frost spirits um, who are um, just like assailing um, him with like spiked arms uh, seem to be attacking him. He's got um, an overturned cart um, a wounded, uh, this sort of like a body slowly, like, uh, an orc at, at his feet, who's just bleeding into the snow. Um, and, uh, he's very valiantly trying to fight, uh, five of these frost spirits off. Uh, but you can tell that it's a losing endeavor largely because like you've seen magic versus sword before, and it usually goes bad for sword. Um, so sure enough, it's, it's, it's a little bit of like the Boromir last stand business where it's just like, you know, He's wounded. He's still putting up a good fight, but it's like a guy with no shield and a sword versus five things throwing like frost spikes through him um, as as he kind of continues to fend them off. All right, I think Butthole just yell frost things bad go, uh, and he'll just charge <laughs> into battle with this kind of moonlight bringer in hand. Amazing. Roll for initiative. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and RDM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, 
Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is Yanni, and welcome to Season 2 of Harlem Queen. Thank you for listening. The season picks up with the search for Michelle. You are listening to the Floyd J. Calvin program. And now, straight to the headlines. Manhattan debutante and socialite Michelle Mondesir has been kidnapped from her Connecticut boarding school. There is a tri-state search for Mademoiselle Mondesir, who is 15 years of age, Caucasian, and was last seen yesterday evening going to her dormitory. Stephanie is frantic and she risks all in order to find her missing daughter. We will find Michelle. There are troopers all along the New Jersey and Pennsylvania highways. That's not enough. Madame Stephanie St. Clair posted a $10,000 reward for information that leads to the safe return of Ms. Mondesir. You need to take down your reward, Stephanie. I will not. Those no-good couples are already saying she's dead. The connection between the debutante and the numbers queen is unclear. And Stephanie still has to contend with Luciano and Schultz plotting to push her out of her own turf. Word on the street is that it's Schultz. Who cares about a lost colored girl? This one is white. Fifth Avenue debutant, a lot of money, well connected. And I want to find out why Stephanie is so fixated on the girl. Stephanie is highly invested in her safe return. What do you need me to do? I need you to cheese it. What about Sinclair? You tried to clip her twice. Is she pushing up daisies? No. We're going to get her another way. Even Halstein is suspicious. Is he truly a friend or a foe? She's putting herself behind the eight ball. There's something more there, and I need to find out. In the meantime, someone has to earn the money she's deciding not to earn. You have no power in this case, Stephanie. In fact, you're a liability. I will do everything in my power to get her home safe and sound. Listen up for season two. Harlem Queen is a recipient of the Lower Manhattan Cultural Council's Creative Engagement Grant. And once we all get through this safe and sound, we will have a live radio show of Harlem Queen this fall. More episodes to come. Take good care and stay well. Bye.